uh, know about God's program or plan. And so uh, these three things that we're going to be talking about this morning are just essential. And whether you know Jesus Christ this morning or don't know him, there, there are a few things that are just critical for the church to be clear about. And, and it's these three, these three things. One, we ought to be clear about the gospel. We ought to be clear about the commitment to the gospel or be clear about the commitment to Christ. And then thirdly, we ought to be clear about what it means to be a disciple. We ought to be clear about the gospel, be clear about the commitment to Christ, and we ought to be clear about what it means to be a disciple. Now, the first one is obvious. We ought to be clear about the message. This is a big book, right? Depending on how, you know, the size of your print, you know, it can be this size, or it could be a little bit smaller, or even a little bit bigger if you got the giant large print edition, right? You, know, they, they not, you almost need a... a, a you know, someone to carry your Bible to church because it can get so big, make sure you can read the print. But in the midst of all that God says to us, we, we need to be desperately clear about the gospel or the good news or the message. And, and let me just say this. If, if you're a Christian, you ought to feel comfortable for me just calling you up here and say, well, you just present the gospel in a simple way to everybody in this room. You ought, you ought to be so conversant with the message of Christ that you could explain the gospel so clearly, it would just be second nature to come up here and say, here's what the gospel is. Okay? We, we ought to be deeply committed to simple truths, and the simple truth is we ought to be clear about the message of Christ, the good news. Now, forgetting the point of being afraid to do it in front of a, a group of people, let's put it on a one-on-one -on -one basis. If someone were to come up to you, whether it be a person in your oikos or some stranger, said, can you explain to me what it really means to be a Christian? What is the message of this big book? You could answer that. And let me just say this. If you are a person who is just investigating Christianity, I would have hoped that you had heard this message so many times so clearly that you could explain it as well. Whether you believe it or not, you could say, well, I know what, what, it, what Christianity is all about. It's this. That makes sense? So what I thought, well, if that, that be true, let me, let, me, let me try to do that on a Sunday morning. And there are a lot of gospel presentations. Uh, I was in that era where you got trained in every gospel presentation imaginable when I was in the 60s and the 70s and the early 80s. And so I'm not saying that you have to use the one I'm going to give you today, which I just put together this, this last week. But you need to have one gospel presentation down so well that it just, if someone pushes, you know, a button on you, that you just, it comes out of you. Let, let, me, uh, let, me, let, me, let me give you a clear presentation of the message of Christ. And, and let me just say this as well. In, in many ways, this message is almost a training session, right? And so this is going to be on the test. Sometimes I'll joke with you. you. You should take this home, and if it's not this presentation, another presentation, you work on it so much that if I were to talk to you, I could say, give me the gospel right now, and it would come out. Now, some of you are feeling uncomfortable, but this is doable. This is doable. Okay. Now, and let me just add this as well. Often we don't get into a gospel presentation because we don't know how to get into one. 
And then if we think through it a little bit, you're thinking, well, I wouldn't mind presenting the gospel to someone, but how do I know they want to hear it at this moment? You ever thought that? And so I, I want I to relieve that fear. If you're with someone, and you don't always have the opportunity to do this, but if you're with somebody, maybe you, you, there's, it's just an environment where there's a conversation going on, and it's, it's relational, and there's no, you know, there's no fear about what other people are doing or thinking at the moment. And, but you're still wondering, well, well do they want to hear this message? Well, the only way you know for sure is to what? Ask them. Ask them. Well, you, well how do I ask them? Okay, well, let me give you one way. One way you can say, you can somebody ask this question. Would you, would you be interested in me telling you what I believe is the four most important truths to know in life? Would you be interested in me telling you what I believe is the four most important truths in life? Now, a person, when you ask that question, there's only two responses. What? Yes or no. If they say no, then don't say anything. It's okay. But if he says yes, well, let me just tell you. Now, I'm going to give you an expanded version of this, but you can explain the gospel in a clear way in just a few minutes. And then there's an opportunity, then do you understand this? Does this make sense? Does, is this confusing to you? And if it is, then you try to explain what you just said. But if, if, if I were to ask this a question of someone and say, would, would you be interested in me telling you what I believe is the four most important truths to know in life. And they said, yes. I said, well, here they are. Number one, know that God loves you and has made you to know him. That God loves you and has made you to know him. And the reason we know that, of course, is because the Bible says, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But let me just say this. This is the gospel. This is the good news, that God loves us. And there are people in this world, that's not their first thought of who God is, that God loves them. They think somehow that God is angry at them, that God is, is looking forward to a time where they can throw them into judgment or punishment, or that God is somehow so distant that he, how could he even be concerned about them? Now, Again, as we tell you these four truths, if I were telling with a friend on a personal basis, I said, you don't have to believe this, but I want you to know this is what I believe is, is so important that I believe that to know that God loves me and wants to know me. Secondly, to, to know that God is holy and, and my sin keeps me from knowing him. God is holy and my sin keeps me from knowing him. The Bible said, for all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. Now, the, the reason our sin keeps us from knowing God is because God is so holy. In, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, you have one of the angels saying to the other angel, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is filled with His glory. And, and our sin, it's, you need to understand, it, it's, it's, it, it's not so much a comparison game, well, yeah, but I, I'm not as bad as some people I know. I mean, God's going to keep really bad people out of heaven, but, you know, I'm not that bad, so I'm not going to the other place. I'm not going to hell. We need to understand sin is so, so obnoxious to God that any sin would keep us from him. You know, if, you, if, you've, if you've ever played the game of golf and maybe it's the last hole and, and you have 
one last shot to win. It doesn't matter whether you miss that putt by an inch or by a mile. If it doesn't go in the hole, you don't win. And the Bible says that God loves us and made us to know him. But know that God is holy and our sin keeps us from knowing him. But thirdly, know this. That Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin and rose again. The Bible says that God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. See, there, there was a penalty due for us rebelling against God because of our own selfish, sinful ways. But that, that debt has been paid by Jesus on the cross, and he wants to give us the free gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift of God is eternal life. So there are three things that, that I think begin with knowing the most important truth. Know that God loves us and made us to know him. But know that God is holy and our sin keeps us from knowing him. Know that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins and rose again. And then fourthly, know that you can know God if you repent and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Know that you can know God if you repent and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. What does it mean to repent? I mean, re repent basically means you're going one direction and you got to go the other direction. Now, now, it's kind of a standard joke at Grace Hills Church that you know that your pastor has been lost many times. And, and I've had the experience, you know, I'm going down the wrong street, a wrong path, and the only way to get on the right path is to turn around and go down the other path. And, and the Bible's pretty clear that if, if, if the only people who know God or the people who want to know God recognize they're going down the wrong direction. And if we're, if we're ruling, you know, Jesus said this. He said, he said when he was preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He was telling people we're going down one direction. He said, you've got to turn around and go down another direction. And he also said this, but as, and this was said of him by the gospel, in the gospel of John, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God even to those that believe in his name. And in the book of Romans, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, you know, I, I talked about those four points and quoted some verses and things like that, but if, if you were to simply say this, I, if I were doing it in a, in a relational level with somebody and it was... It was the time was pretty tight. I would, I would give the whole four points, and then I said, does this make sense? I'd ask them the question, do you mind, would you be interested if I told you the four most important truths I believe it is to know in life? And if you said yes, well, here, here they are real quickly. Number one, know that God loves us and made us to know him. Number two, know that, our, that God is holy and our sin keeps us from knowing him. But three, know that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins and rose again. And number four, believe, is know this. Know that you can know God if you'll repent and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, then I'd say, well, does, does that make sense? Is that, does that seem clear to you what the message of the Bible is all about? Uh, you know, whether you believe it or not, does that make sense? Now, is there anything that I just said here that, that you, don't, you don't agree with? That you that you want you want further explanation, and I then we'd get in a dialogue. 
But see, that's the gospel message. It's about God. It's about our sin. It's about what Jesus did with our sin. And it's about our need to respond. That's the gospel right there. And we as God's people need to be very clear about what that is. Does that make sense? Now, what is the person, what are the per- you know, maybe the person says, well, I'm not there yet. Well, I'm be praying for you. And I just want you to understand, these are the four most important truths to know in life. And I want you to wrestle with it whether those are true. And if there's any way I can help you understand that in a fuller way or uh, have you read things or, or take you places, or I'm going to be praying for you. It's changed my life. And I might give my testimony how God made a difference in my life. But let's say the person came to the point and said, well, okay, I, I want to get in on this. Well, h- how do I get in on this? Well, in, re- in recent Christian history in America, basically said, well, pray a prayer. Pray the sinner's prayer and it's all over. Now, I, I think the sinner's prayer, that's the one I prayed when I became a Christian and it, and it took, all right? But praying words don't necessarily make you a Christian. It's got to be a reflection of the heart, doesn't it? And so what does it mean to be a Christian? What is the commitment? Are we clear about the commitment? What is a Christian? Let me put it this way. What is a Christian? A person who's a Christian is a person who's made a choice to have Christ live in and lead their life. Live and lead. It's a person who comes to the point in their life recognizing those four truths are true and they want to be committed to it and then say, okay, they, they express to God, God, I want you to live in me and I want you to lead my life. The Bible expresses that in a number of different ways. In the book of Revelation, which we're going to be getting to, but in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, to a church I really believe that was basically an unsaved church, a church that had heard the gospel but had not committed their lives to the gospel and he gives this statement, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will what? Come in. And then he says, I'll dine with him. I'll, I'll have a relationship with you. And, and people who, who aren't true followers of Christ are people who haven't come to that point is, I want to open up my life to have God live in me. It's not trying to simply sign on the dotted line, I got fire insurance, I'm not going to hell. It's saying, I want, I want to have a relationship with Christ right now. I want him to live in me. But it's also come to that point in your life where you say, I, 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 I want him to come in to live in me, and I want to change ownership. I want him to lead. You know, followers of Christ are people who follow Christ. If Jesus is Lord, that simply means he's the one to lead. And so a commitment to Christ is a person who commits to have Christ live in them and to lead them. Paul put it this way in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. This is such a great verse. I mean, just think about it. I have been crucified with Christ. It simply means now that when you become a Christian, your old life is what? Dead. People who got crucified die. I've died in Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. Now it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives where? In me. And then how do I live that that life out? In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself for me. By faith, I let him now direct my life. That's what it means to be a Christian. A person who decides, I want Christ to live in me and to lead me. And we're going to see another passage that emphasizes again Christ leading us. So, so what's, what's so important for us to be deeply committed to? One is 
the, the clarity of the gospel. What is it? It's knowing that God loves us and, and wants to know us. Isn't that good news? That's what the gospel means. It means good news. Isn't that good news to know that God loves you and he wants you to know him? And isn't it good news to know what's the problem? The problem is, is that, that God is holy and our sin keeps us from knowing him. And then thirdly, isn't it great that Jesus dealt with a problem? Jesus paid the penalty for our sins and rose again. And it isn't, it isn't so hopeful and helpful to know, okay, well, what, what now how do I respond? Okay, repent, turn from where you're going, and, and put your faith, trust in Christ as your Lord and your Savior, your leader and the one who needs to be the forgiver of your sins. Well, if I do that, what will that look like? What is that commitment? The commitment, and you, you can pray it in a prayer. You can make it, you can express it in the, the, the depthness of your heart. Christ, I want you to live in me, and I want you to lead me. Now, now the ongoing part of that is to say, well, it, when that happens, then you become one of his disciples. Now, the word disciple, we don't usually use in any other context other than church. I mean, they're, they're, I've heard, read it various places and other parts of, you know, regular daily life. But normally, you, you only hear the word disciple in church or in the Bible. So sometimes we use that term, but what does it really mean? Well, the word disciple literally comes from the word mathetes. Is, is it means to be a, a pupil or a student, a person who's a learner or a follower. You could also use this, use this word, which is helpful in terms of understanding the, 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 the really follow-through of under, uh, hearing things about a, a teacher or a rabbi or a savior or a lord. It, it means to be an apprentice. It means that you're not just gathering information, but you're putting it into practice. You know, we uh, in America have a, a fairly lengthy history of, of education. You know, you start early in life and you can go on late in life in terms of you want to keep going to school. But let's just be honest. If you look back in your career as a student, were, were there ever some courses that you just, you just knew you would never use in your life? Anybody have that experience? Um, now, now, some of you are engineers or whatever it might be, but you, you remember geometry? Anybody remember geometry? Remember having to do uh, geom- uh, you know, ge- the proofs for geometry? And having, I mean, I've never, ever, ever used that, okay? Uh, algebra true? Uh, you know, I've used some of algebra, but there's a lot of things that in math, uh, you know, I'm glad I can add and subtract, but there, there, depending upon what field in you, uh, when am I going to use this? And you know all you did is try to get through the class, Right? But, but maybe there were some other classes you knew that you, you really want to take this and actually apply it later on. I mean, the obvious ones are like if you ever went to home ec and you want to learn how to cook, yeah, you're, you're not just trying to pass a course. You want to be able to feed yourself or your family. Or, or maybe you took, uh, uh, which I never did because I, I wish I had, but you, know, you ever took a, uh, auto, you know, an auto class, you know, you didn't. You took that class so later on you could change your own brakes. You know, you could change your own oil. You didn't have to pay for it to be done. You were trying to take what you learned and put it into practice. Well, see, that's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. It's not just get information, but say, I want to see that work out in my life. So I worked on a definition this week in terms of what it means to be a disciple. What does it mean to be a disciple? It's a person who chooses to learn and follow Jesus in every area of life. Every area of life. Well, I want my Christianity to impact everything I do. Don't you? Every, my relationship with my wife, my kids, 
how I respond to people at work or in the community, uh, how I do my taxes, how I do use my finances. Uh, the, how, every part of my life, I want to be impacted by Jesus in every area of life. I want to change my attitude. I want to change my actions. And, and so what a disciple is, is a person who chooses to learn and follow Jesus in every area of life, but it doesn't stop there, inviting others to do the same. Because if we get in on a good thing, we want other people to get in on good things. I mean, everybody, anybody ever see a good movie you told anybody about? I mean, I, yeah, great movie, I want people to see it, or, or, or a great restaurant, or whatever it might be. If you, if you like what you got, you want to give it to somebody else. And so that's what a disciple is. A learner, a pupil, a student, a follower, a learner, a person who puts into practice. Uh, Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 6, verse 40. I have in your outline. It says, a pupil is not above his teacher, rabbi. But everyone, after he's been fully trained, will be what? Like his teacher. So it even takes a step further. I not only want to know what Jesus knew. I not only know, want to be able to do some of the things that Jesus did, you know, apart from doing the miraculous, possibly, uh, but I want to be like him. I want to take on his character. I, I want to I people know I've been with Jesus because I, I, I act like Jesus. And it's going to take commitment. Um, Luke 9, 23, and he was saying to them, to them all, not just to a select few, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. We de- desire not to live a selfish life. And take up his cross. How often? Daily, I, I need to die daily and follow me. And to follow me is to learn and follow Jesus in every area of life and then invite others to do the same. And this is really what the gospel challenge is. In, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says this. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples, learners and followers of Jesus in every way, of all the nations, baptizing them, which is marking them publicly, as his followers, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe how much? All that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even the end of the age. Let me just close with this. Uh, If you ever went to a a community college, a junior college, or a a commuter school like I did uh, in my undergraduate, Cal State Fullerton, it it was always amazing to see uh, what would happen at the beginning of a semester. Uh, Cal State Fullerton had a pretty massive parking lot, but in the beginning of the year, if you got there late, you could not find a spot. I mean, every parking spot was full. And you're thinking, did, did they enroll more people than they had room in the classroom? Well, the answer is no. You could get in your class, and there was a, there was a place to sit, but there was, there was no place to park. And then three or four weeks later, you go at the same time, and there are hundreds of open parking spots. What happened? All these people who had signed up to be students, pupils, learners, followers, disciples of these professors had now what? Left. They had given up. It's like when we sometimes say, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of do something, or I'm going to sort of do something. I, I try to, I'm starting to try to take that language out of it. Either I'm going to do something or I'm what? I'm not. And the person either is committed to be a student, a learner, a follower, a disciple, or they're not. Now, uh, there are some classes I, I endured that I didn't do very well, but I, I gave it my best, right? I did not give up. 
And see, that's what, that's what Christ wants from us. We're not always going to perform well, but we have decided once and for all that that's the person I'm following. And I desire to learn and follow him in every area of life, inviting others to do the same, because I, I want to be a people on purpose. I want to be the church, not just come to church. I want to be empowered by the living God. I want to be on mission by reaching out to people in my relational world. And I want to be clear about the message. And I want to be clear about the commitment. And I want to be clear about who I am as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, it's, it's the simple things in life that are often the most challenging. And Father, we want to be a people, particularly this morning, that know what we believe. We, we want to know that, that God loves us and wants us to know him and know him deeply. We want to know that God is holy and it's our sin that separates us from him so that we can't know him. We want to know that truly Jesus Christ did pay the penalty for our sins and rose again. And we want to know that we can know the living God if we repent and put our faith and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And Father, if there's anyone this morning that hasn't made that choice, might today be the day in the, in the deepest part of their heart, they say, yes, Jesus, I want you to live in me and I want you to lead me in every part of my life. Help us to be marked as a, as a people that, that know you. And if someone communicates that to you today from their heart, they'll answer that prayer and they'll become a child of God. Father, help us to be a church filled with followers, disciples of yours, that invite others to be followers and disciples of yours. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning, as we